Hello and welcome to a Brave Space podcast with Dr. Meeks. I'm your host, Chelsea Glasgow, and we're here, of course, with Dr. Meeks and Canon Stephanie Spellers. Hello. How are you guys? Wonderful. Excellent. Excellent. Listen, if you've been tuning in, you know that in our last episode, we had Ken and Stephanie talk to us and talk with us about the cost of freedom and what freedom means. We're so happy to have her here again. And just a little background information about her. She's the, on the presiding bishop staff as his canon for evangelism, racial, racial reconciliation and creation care. But listen, I want to go ahead and crack this conversation open. If you were there last time, you know how rich it was. And we want to continue um, about the conversation on freedom. More specifically, what does it mean um, to be liberated? to be liberated and to actually recognize that you've fought for freedom and you have it now, even when the world doesn't necessarily address or acknowledge it. How do people know when they've been liberated? Yeah, you you stayed up a long time to come up with these hard questions, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we have to jump right in. We have to jump right yeah. in. It's true, we do. You we know, do. I, that you know, I think I'll start, and then Ken and Stephanie can pick mm-hmm. this up. I think that uh, being contented. To, I'm 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 fascinated by the notion of what does it take to have a sense of contentment, mm-hmm. and you know, because there's so much to be. The, the chaos of the external world to keep you off your your uh, focus and and outside of yourself and to pull you into what I like to call earthquakes, you know. And so I think learning how to navigate all of that with a sense of contentment has a, has a lot to say to me about really having gotten to liberation, and and also not having a sense of panic about anything that, you know, no matter what is happening to have this sense that at the end of the day, I I really will be all right. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's not easy to come by Mm -hmm. at all. Not at all. Not at all. all. Especially when you're so used um, to fighting for things, right. Or to making sure that things happen in the most um, unpredictable situations, always having to do the impossible. How do you get out of that superwoman type of syndrome? Um, Are there any practical wisdom bits of advice that you guys can give uh, for how we break out of that? I'm glad you said the word superwoman, um, because that's the other you can tell that I I I go back to music a lot. So in the last conversation, I was I kind of landed with Beyonce and and now I'm hearing um, I'm hearing Alicia Keys um, (laughs) singing, you know, um, you know, with an S on my chest. I still, you know, still still wake up a mess, you know, <laughs> all of that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Even though I'm a mess with an S on my chest. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. I'm a superwoman. That's it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but, um, um, and so I, I kind of, to me, like that image matters to say like, yeah, like, um, even when I'm a mess, you know, that, that this, there's, there's something about this freedom that can't be dependent on our circumstances. Um, and another way of saying this, I mean, I, I love that word contentment, Dr. Meeks. Another word that comes for me is joy. Um, the idea that, you know, like, we're not talking about being happy. We're, you know, contentment or, or joy is not being happy. Um, 
but it and and freedom is not being happy. You know, I'm free to do whatever I want. It's like, is that really free? <laughs> um, you know, like that seems like now you're just you're shackled by your own your own kind of like this narcissistic bent. That's not freedom. Um, but that that joy, contentment, freedom um, are are conditions that um, that we that we cultivate and we cultivate them again, constantly with, with spiritual practice and our life practices. And we cultivate them so that even when the shackles come, because they will, even when the limitations, you know, the, you know, the, the, the cages fall around us, you know, or, or kind of, like slide down in place around us, um, you know, even when the struggle is great, because it will always be <laughs> um, that there is a way of moving in the world with contentment, with freedom, um, you know, so that even when I'm a mess, you know, <laughs> um, you know, to still be able to claim that, that identity, that freedom, um, you know, and that's, I feel like like I'll, I'll I'll actually share this. I'll share a story from um, this. Hopefully, this won't be too long. But um, so when I was an active kind of priest in the congregation, my congregation was called the Crossing. Uh, this was a church in Boston that was um, that was especially made up of folk who were in their kind of twenties and thirties. Um, many of them people of color. Um, about half of the congregation was queer. Um, and, and so a lot of the folk came into that congregation, um, you know, needing healing, honestly, kind of having been beat up by the world, beat up by the church in particular, a lot of the folk who came into our congregation. Um, and so uh, a lot of our work was helping folks to find voice, find their gifts, find that freedom in God. Um, and, and the turn I found, this was always interesting that, you know, a lot of folks thought that they had really achieved something when they got to the place where I can use my voice and I can make things happen and, you know, people respect me and, you know, and it was just, I mean, I see them like chopping their way through the world, you know, um, and, and I would have to sit down with those folk, um, and say, you're only part of the way, dear one, because now, now you are, you've been healed so that you can be a healer. You have been freed so that you can take part in the liberation of others. You have been loved by God so that you can go forth proclaiming the belovedness of others. That's when you've truly gotten somewhere. Um, that basically when you are free to give your life away, then you are truly free indeed. And they would look at me like, what? <laughs> you know, but now, now you're telling me that I'm supposed to be, again, that, that's, you know, the suffering servant, you know, and we, especially as black women, just like, we know what it means to have to, you know, take care of, of the master's children or of, you know, or of, you know, our boss's children or whatever, and then go home and take care of our own. You're like, we have had to sacrifice our lives and our families giving ourselves away 
they're like, surely we weren't bringing it all back around so that now we would give our lives away again. <laughs> like, but especially if we are, if we are followers of Jesus, then actually like what we are doing is we are, we are getting to the place where we know ourselves as so beloved that we can give belovedness away. We know ourselves as so full of life and freedom that we can now reveal that freedom with others. You know, I have this power now, how do I use my power in order to help other folk to discover their power? Um, you know, that the really powerful person or the, the one whose voice is strongest is not just the one who's loudest in the room, but the one whose voice, the one who can speak and create a space where others can be heard. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and I, I would... I think that's right, Canon Stephanie, and excuse me for interrupting, but I just, I'm having a little outburst here because I'm so excited about what you're saying that, that um, it seems to me also that, that, that place you're talking about comes from having had a great confrontation with your own inner community that you have, you have explored what's there and you know what's there and you know who's there and you begin to trust that, that, there's a, that, that you have an authentic place that you can stand because you've confronted those parts of yourself that, that, that the world's told you, you you're supposed to, that makes you undesirable and, and, and um, not worthy of being a free person. And then once you have done that, you, you start to reaffirm that every time somebody comes up with, you know, trying to put the chains back on you, you can say, that's not true. I'm not going to wear those chains because I've seen that person. And I'm, and, and it's also, I think it's really important to set boundaries as free black women to say, this is what I've been having, this is what I've had to do, all this caretaking and all of these things. I'm at a different space now, and I'm not going to do all of that now. I'm not going to be enslaved, re-enslaved here as a liberated person. I'm going to set boundaries. I'm going to say no, and I'm not going to be apologetic about it, and I'm going to claim what I need. And I think that that's part of, um, Chelsea, you were asking before, what are practical, concrete kinds of things to do to kind of reaffirm that you are a liberated person? I think part of it is deciding to stand up and protect your own freedom, that the freedom that you've gotten because you've worked really hard to to, to facilitate it. Mm-hmm. I love that, you know, um, when a person knows how to love themselves and set those boundaries, uh, we're often taught that when you love yourself, you can teach others how to love you. And so, you know, going back to um, Canon's, Canon's, uh, Stephanie's uh, point about beloved community and how once we learn how to um, do these things for ourselves, then it is our responsibility to teach others um, and to bring others into this community. And from that, um, you know, Candace Spellers even has a book 
out right now called The Church Cracked Open, Disruption, Decline, and New Hope for Beloved Community. And we cannot get to that hope until we see that hope for ourselves, right? Until we accept that love for ourselves. And then we're able to duplicate that um, within our communities. What are your thoughts about teaching others uh, how to love and, and from their developing beloved community? Mm, um, teaching others how to love. Wow. Like that's even just that phrase and that that work, um, that that ministry really <laughs> that that is ministry, you know, <laughs> um, you know. And I wish that the church could kind of come back to that as some of our primary reason for being, honestly. And um, you know that we we are here in order to help folk to discover this, this deep love of God and to discover how that love has made them, um, made them who they are, but even just given us life at all. And, and that you actually don't have to, you don't have to earn that love. You don't have to stretch for that love. Um, and, and so like, and I honestly, I've, I've sometimes been sad as I've realized like how, you know, when we go into the world and when we're doing this work of, of, um, of, you know, transforming systems, dismantling oppression, everything that, that we are both so dedicated to, I, I hear people of every race and realize you don't know yourself as beloved, do you? You know, that that's, that's, you know, like, you know, white folk, that's a part of why, like, you can't stop hurting people <laughs> um, is because you, you haven't experienced this deep love um, of God for yourselves. All you know is how to have things, how to dominate, um, you know, and, and you don't know how to live in sync with the creation. You only know how to exploit creation. Um you know, and to realize, oh, like, you need to learn how to love and be loved. Um, and, and then I think, like, what have we been teaching in church if it wasn't that? You know? <laughs> um, and, and, you know, a lot of what we've been doing in church was, was actually at the service of empire. And this is one of the things that I explore in this book, um, you know, is that, that especially for the Episcopal Church, but really for kind of mainline Protestant ministries across the land and around the world that we were so many of us were founded in order to create good citizens good subjects of the realm and and not to teach folk how to be loved and to love um, god and love one another and love creation you know that 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 wasn't the goal of church um you know just as we say often you know that america is is doing exactly like when america is is hurting people of color america is actually doing what america was designed to do i think the same is true about church unfortunately that you know our churches create people who play by the rules of empire and um and and capitalism because actually that's what they were designed to do <laughs> um, like look at our liturgies, our liturgies, especially again in the Episcopal church, um, you know, like they, they embody hierarchy, they embody, 
um, you know, this hierarchy where one group of people get to do all the talking, get to wear the fancy clothes, get to be upfront, and the others are spectators for that, funders for that, um, but not really participants in the reign of God, not really participants in this this Jesus movement. You know, we we our churches weren't designed to foster movements, um, and so something I'm excited about is so what happens when we get kicked out of our buildings? You know, what happens when we um, when churches we've known it is not even possible anymore? Maybe it can be remade into that community that teaches folk how to love and be loved and how to love creation. Um, maybe we can, you know, maybe we needed this disruption. Maybe we needed this decline so that we could become what God intended all along. Um, and that's a hard one. Like that's, and some people feel like it's judgmental or whatever, but just like there is a dream of God. And we as church have not been serving that dream of God, but we could be. Absolutely. I, I know we could be. And 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 I, it concerns me that we, when you talk about the invitation that's been given to us with this mm-hmm. disruption of COVID and all of the things that have happened in the last 15 months, I don't see a lot of signs of people being able to assess that 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 is an invitation, mm-hmm. and that and that it's an and it's an invitation to be pondered and not to just be, you know, uh, hurrying to get the building back open and get back to trying to be, well, I don't think going back is a possibility, but I do think there are a lot of folks who think that it is a possibility. But what I find myself being preoccupied with is how to be a resistor to this system that I'm caught in, both in terms of the external the larger culture and the church, because the church itself is just an, a, a mirror image in so many instances of that culture that you've just finished describing, Ken and Stephanie. Mm-hmm. So how do we how do we be subversive? You know, particularly as African American women, we know about we know about being warriors. We know how to do that. How do we bring that warrior energy into this place that we do care about? That container is a helpful container, mm-hmm. but it's but it's but it's not doing what it needs to be doing. It's right. not it's not stepping up to the plate. It's wearing the name of Jesus Christ without wanting to really be connected to Jesus Christ the way we need to be. So mm-hmm. how do we then, people like you and me, bring liberated African American women, bring that liberation energy to this space? in some way that can make that can help create a space for transformation. It's a it's a question that that I stay preoccupied with. Yes, yes. I mean it's the question that drove me as a church planter, honestly. Um, you know, and the that church that I was mentioning that I worked with lay people to found back in two thousand six, they just celebrated their fifteen year um kind of like fifteen years of ministry. Uh and and I, I knew that I had to do that work very early on after my ordination um, because, you know, and I, I was working at a cathedral in Boston, um, but, but I knew, it's like, all right, I know I'm serving the institution, but I also need to be serving movement. 
um, I will not survive if I'm only institution. <laughs> um, and, and we really like, we worked together and it was a wonderful time. Like for seven, eight years, I was with that congregation, that new church, um, where honestly the principles of womanism, um, the principles of kind of queer liberation, um, the principles of black liberation, um, you know, the sounds, you know, um, you know, of, of, of free black people and free people were like, those were our prayers. Those were our songs. And, and what we found is that as we created that community, folk were coming from other kind of more traditional churches to join us. Um, and some, you know, we met Thursday nights. So that might have been a part of it, I guess. Hey, this is we're we're having this conversation on a Thursday. So this would have been this would be worship day for that <laughs> in Boston. But um it was important, I think we we understood ourselves to be modeling freedom um for the rest of the church and for our community. Um and and you know, we had our leadership team, but you know, we operated as what we called a scrum. And so my voice as priest was one of several voices. And, you know, I'd, I was kind of an elder in the circle, but it wasn't the case that, um, you know, that like I, I, I didn't lord over, you know, and often they, you know, that group of lay people were able to say, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Rev Steph, they called me. Thank you, Rev Steph. But um, we think that actually it should go like this. And I would have to say, all right, I, that's the wisdom of the group. I'm trusting the wisdom of the group. Um, and... And so I think whatever organizations, whatever groups, any of us have the opportunity to shape, I think we have the chance to say that we could follow the rules of the institution, the rules of empire, or we could follow the rules um, and the, the models of liberation that we've been taught. And we can bring those into the spaces that we occupy. Um, I think that's important, you know, that we, we don't kind of bifurcate that, you know, we don't say, well, now that I'm in this kind of position, you know, I need to, you know, I need to exercise my power the way that the system has told me I should um, keep asking the questions about, about liberation and keep serving the purpose of liberation, the purpose of love um, and, and create new ways of occupying, occupying the space, new ways of occupying power um, until the whole system learn something. And eventually what I've seen is, you know, the system can start to gravitate in that direction. If enough of us are modeling alternative ways of being, whole liberated ways of being. But some systems are, are, are more uh, calcified, perhaps is a way to think about it, than others. And the higher you get up in the system, the harder it becomes to become, to be a resistor because there's, there's more threat and 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 it requires a different kind of courage and energy, I think, because when we look at the just take the whole Episcopal Church, you could start a parish and do what you did, but it's a whole lot harder to do what you did now. Yes, at this yes. level than than <laughs> than then, right? So yeah, yeah, it's yeah. why when when Bishop Curry asked me to take um, this job as one of his canons, I'll I'll be honest with you, Catherine, I um. I told him no three times. 
I said, I don't want that job. I don't want that job. Um, because the system at that level is, is so much harder to, um, you know, it's hard to resist that, 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 um, just those calcified structures. It's hard to change them. And what he said was, it's time to have the Bolsheviks, the Bolsheviks in the tent. In other words, he's like, I know that you and others like you are interested in revolution. Come, come be a part of that. And I trusted that invitation from him. And, um, and it's truly, I'm, I, I give thanks every day that I said yes. But, um, but it's because, you know, I, um, like it's, it's slow going, but I actually do feel like I see the cracks and this is a part of that church cracked open, you know, experience. I feel like I have seen the cracks in those calcified structures. I do see a church that is having, it's almost like it has the memory of, of what God asked of it back in the beginning. And it's, it's like the voice of God is, is whispering and people are hearing that voice now in ways that they didn't even 10 years ago, you know, certainly not, you know, 50 years ago or a hundred or however long I see Episcopalians, I see other people of faith. Um, and it's like, we're waking up and I, I just, I give thanks honestly to be serving at a time such as this because Absolutely. It, it does feel like we are opening Absolutely. and and we get to be present again to say there are other ways of being. You know, if you don't want to continue on that path toward um, kind of toward domination and death, there is a path toward life and liberation and um, and we'll we'll walk it together. Absolutely. And so thank you so much for accepting the call. We are so grateful uh, that you said yes the first time. Eh? <laughs> We're, so, we're so grateful that you came around um, it, because it takes definitely someone called for such a time like this uh, to be able to speak the truth to power, to be able to speak the truth in and out of season and to be brave and courageous to do so. And you do so in such a, uh, a mild and meek way where people can receive. You do so in love. And so we just appreciate you for coming um, onto two podcast episodes with us. We are celebrating you. Uh, We are supporting you. Uh, For all of our listeners, please make sure you go and grab Canon Stephanie Speller's book, The Church Cracked Open, Disruption, Decline, and New Hope for Beloved community. You will definitely be in for a treat. If you enjoyed this conversation, um, you should definitely get this book and meet us back here next time on our next podcast episode. In the meantime, between time, be sure to connect with us on our website, centerforracialhealing.org, as well as on social media, Instagram and Facebook, Center for Racial Healing. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in. And until next time, remember to always tell the truth.